When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bing West, author of Last Platoon, which I said last week, and I'll say it again this time, is one of my new favorite books. It is, I recommend it to a friend, and he said the same thing I said. He said it has, it has, it, it feels like Black Hawk Down. That's how gripping it is. I know I interview a lot of authors, and I know people listening to this podcast probably roll their eyes when I say it. It is legitimately one of my favorite books. It is absolutely insane. It, the buildup is so slow and nefarious, and it's it's you can feel it on the back of your neck as each day goes by, and then more and more characters come into, and the amount of people that get pulled into it at the very the most upper echelons of government, to the way it ends with well I won't spoil it, but the way it ends is is absolutely insane. I can't recommend it enough. I'm clearly fanboying and and blowing smoke up your ass, Mister Mister West. Please introduce yourself. Thank you, Tom. Please, the name is Bing. Bing. But um, I, I was um, I was born in 1940, just and then the war began, and my uncles joined the Marines and went off to the islands to fight. But when they would come home to the house, they couldn't really tell my parents, you know, what it was like. All of a sudden, you, you um, and and so they had a clubhouse up and and the attic of our house for all the Marines who would come home. And from the time I was two, my mother thinking, well, these are my brothers. They can be the babysitters. So from, from 1942 to 1947, about five days a week, I was babysat by Marines just back from Iwo Jima and Tarawa. And you can imagine the, the education I got, Um, but you know, it, it was, so firmly implanted that after college i went into the marine corps fought in vietnam and then when the wars began in iraq and afghanistan i went over there and embedded with the marines and i've written 10 10 books about our wars in um, vietnam iraq and afghanistan and this novel the last platoon was really my effort after 20 years in afghanistan to say to the the average person who doesn't deal with it every day, look, this is this is a novel, but this is really what happened. Um, and so I tried to write it as a metaphor for 20 years of war and why we couldn't win over there. I didn't know that you were babysat by Marines fresh from the Pacific. You were you were molded in the fires itself. I don't think there was ever another destiny for you. I think that's, that's what, that, that sounds like some... It sounds like some Greek mythology, like you were raised by the Titans themselves. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it is and, and and I know and I know I sound like a broken record. It's one of the few books that I and I and I know this sounds like such a cliche BS statement that I really couldn't put down. The way it sets up, the way it's hey you get a call. And spoiler alert for anybody listening, stop listening now. I'll put the book in the description. Go buy it. The way it starts off with just, you know, the helicopters coming in, dropping in the bulldozers. We're setting it up. You 
you lay the grounds for this. We are the tech. We are the technologically advanced super soldiers. We've got the radar. We've got the thermals. We've got the IR. We've got the million dollar drones. We've got the artillery. You can pop whatever you need. You got the CIA. You got the DOGA. You got DOD. Everyone's watching. Nothing happens without us. You've got 54 Marines. You've got an entire base. You've got 800 shells. Are you sure you can handle it? Are you sure you're not scared of a couple snakes? And it's like, okay, yeah, I got this. I got this. And then you've got a guy trying to impress his dad, fire a couple pot shots. You've got a guy that, you know, has got a weak arm and he's got the jugs of the yellow fluid under the tractor. And you see just how, I mean... It, it, it at the risk of at the risk of admiring the enemy at the very least you have to respect them you see the resilience of these people who there's one line in it to me that made it impossible for me to do what i normally like to do and it's it's we can't be stopped we're the best and it's when he's raising his hand to hit the guy and he and he hears the echoes of how many times his wife has told him, like you don't you don't need to hit them. You don't know how strong you are. Or the artillery shell, the the daughter and the son out in the field, and the daughter is just ripped apart, and the son's thrown against the tree. And I was listening to it again yesterday while doing dishes, and I actually paused and I and I stopped, and I thought, how, how do you expect? How do you expect them to do anything other than fight with their life when that happens? We don't see that. When an American in Boston bombing or 9-11, it's burned into our, into, our, into our memories. But that happens daily where someone's daughter just gets vaporized. Someone's son just gets legs grown or given heroin pills and covered in makeup and put a bomb on his chest and says, you know, Allah is with you. I don't know if that was your your intention, but but you humanized it to an extent that I hadn't felt in a book before. And at the same time, you, you it's not that you lose your your humanity or love for the United States because you know this guy's here. You know his his wife's pregnant back home. You know he's just trying to get a raise. He hates the art classes he's in. His friend walked into a into a convenience store and shot into the ceiling. If anything, it's aside from the action packedness, which it is. There's also this. There's this tragic undertone of like, oh man, like no one wants to be there. They don't want us there. We don't want to be there. Yet it still all unfolds. And it, I mean, I, I can't put a finger on the emotion it stirred in me. On, on one hand, it's badass. The technology, the, the descriptions, the, the OGA guys coming in there, no insignia, right? Some James Bond stuff. And on the other hand, it's, it's like, what is the point? What is going on? And I, and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but everything I'm saying I, I'm intending to mean as the greatest compliment as I can. But it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's why were we there? Did we win anything? Why was my son there? Why did he die? And, at, you know, they knew that the best way to comfort the parents was to just be silent. But it's... I can't, I don't know. I can't put a finger on the emotion. It's, I, I, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a loss for words now. So 
thing. I'm going to need you to help me out. <laughs> well, that that is Afghanistan. You, um, you look at us, and I tried to indicate. Here you are. You have all volunteers. Yes. They they all want to go, and then you have the usual bureaucratic politics. The colonel. He wants to make general, yeah. the captain, he wants his promotion. But at the same time, you're, you're put into a situation where I try to indicate on the other side, here the farmers were getting rich with the poppy. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the Marines are there again. They're only supposed to be there for a very short amount of time. <laughs> but they're, they're a clear, clear and present danger from the time they land. Yeah. And the Marines are unaware of this. And then the CIA come, but they know they know the score. Uh, but they have their mission to try to get this this drug lord who's connected to Iran and Pakistan. And gradually the stakes begin to rise. And at the same time, you have the kid, the farmer's kid, he can't resist taking a pot shot at them. Yeah gets lucky and that causes the colonel to get pissed but that causes washington to say what the heck we're not supposed to be able to lose anybody we haven't lost anybody in afghanistan for 24 months we're just about to get out you just got somebody somebody's dead and then it begins to roll from there a little bit at a time and before it's over wow before it's over as you know uh there are a lot of dead people but but it, it all unfolds gradually it's there's nothing there's nothing that anyone can stand by back and say oh i know what's going to happen next no you don't because when you go out into the fields of battle and i've been there many many times those who are out there trying to kill you they have a plan for how they're going to win they're not out there to commit suicide. They're out there to kill you. And they always get the first shots off. So no matter how how much high tech we think we have, we're always a little bit on the defense when all of these things begin. Yeah. And then I bring in the weather and, and what I really, I mean, I've, I've been through all that. Yeah. I know everybody. I know what's going to happen. And, and from Vietnam, I know what it's like when sappers get in, in your wire. I'm not, now the, I know the person listening is saying, now, where, where is West? What's he talking about now? Well, different things build in the book that are, and every single one of them is real. Every single character is real. And every single event I saw happen. It's, you know, for, every, for anybody listening that's going to get the book, Stop listening now because I'm not going to be able to refrain from 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 spoiling it. But you're right. You you there's almost this sort of it. It's very Greek Greek tragedy. It's almost uh you know like Oedipus. It's it's fulfilled. It's going to happen anyway. And it's it's you know President Denard and it's, I want us in and out of there. Quick thing you know in and out. And then you do see you're right. Take a pot shot and how that echoes all the way up to Washington, how it's, you know, he had a meeting with General Killian and it's, you know, his, his office looked very, very austere and expeditionary, but unfortunately he didn't see it. He takes a minute to put his Spartan features first. It's, it's the entire romantic thing to, I don't want these guys, it's my first deployment. I want to go out there. You can, you can kind of feel that almost like budding manlyhood, right? When they go up to Egan and he's citing in his thing and they're like, 
what are you shooting? We're shooting, we're, you know, and he's just like, you don't need that. You're not out here. Like, how much is that? $100,000. And he's sighting in and everything. And you get this whole, it's, you can see whereas, whereas, whereas the, the pot shot is trying to impress his father. And then you see him on a side note, you see him strip down the image I have, right? Um, oh, they're suicide bombers. They're there to take us out. You see Zard going, hey, suicide bombers, he, he kind of says, he goes, they're losers. They don't have any money. It's the only way that they get money for their family. So they dress it up as, hey, we're going to see Allah. But he's like, that's that's your worst case scenario. That's your, you don't want to be that. You want to be something else. And then you also see they're trying to impress Egan. What can we do? We want to go out there with the CIA guys. And then you have the guys where it's all, it's all politics. It's this whole, everything's posturing. Well, if you have them go out there, they're not going to call you captain or, you know, what's going to look Well, if you have to write a report, you're going to show that he went out there and retrieved the encrypted radio. What what are you going to and you see, for lack of a more professional term, you kind of see how much bullshit there is, whether it's positive identification or it's we have to wait, we have to wait. And you have the guys with some muddy AKs or some, you know, belt feds. And meanwhile, we're out there. We've got our rocket GPS guided artillery. But like you said. It's, 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 what was it? T fires first, Taliban fires first, and then we have to react. We can't go out there and just demolish, you know, grids on the map. You see how frustrating the whole thing is. And then all the while, there's a thing that the Marines don't even know what's going on. There's a mission inside of it. Well, they know that they don't know. OGA is there, the CIA Special Activity Center. They're there. They're going to take out the drug lords. And they are kind of independent. And you also see that sort of, I wouldn't say pissing contest, but you do see that level of professionalism. You know, we brought everything aside from Chow. It's like, we we really don't need you. When the kid walks towards him, Egan pops him. And he's like, this is what it is. Like, let's not dress this up as we're going to call in a medevac for this kid. It's like, hey, and as you just said, as Egan says a lot of times in the book, you all volunteered to be here. No one told you to be here. And now that you're here, you're going to do the job. And then as it builds, and how did the first one die? Oh, it was a lucky pot shot. It won't happen again, sir. Okay. And then the second one dies. What was it? Was it friendly fire? Did, it, did the artillery shell bounce off a rock? And then a third. And then a fifth. And then towards the end, with the... the and this is what I said last time when we spoke, and I know your connection was cutting out. This has to be a movie... If you don't make this a movie, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sincerely upset with you, Mr. West. Because the way it builds up at the end with the storm and the and the suicide bombers inside the wire, it is I mean, it's a fever dream at the end. It it it's if it wasn't a book that you wrote based on your experiences, I would say that this movie is too Hollywood. It's too sexy, the way it builds up at the end. But it builds up in the end, I mean like a Beethoven score. It hits a crescendo. And I know I'm rambling and I'm kind of fanboying because I love your book, but do you see having served in Vietnam and having been embedded in the Middle East, do you see that to be a sort of, is that what we're destined to do forever? If we go into these places and we have these rules of engagement and we have this technological superiority, are we destined to always be fighting these small factions of highly determined individuals with unconventional and asymmetric tactics and it gets drawn out in a 10, 20 year long quagmire 
and then eventually we, we withdraw and we say never again. Is that what we're destined to do forever? Are the are the world wars a thing of the past? Well, I, I think it's both, Tom. That is, um, the, the number of fundamentalist Islamists out there, numbers in the thousands, and they have persuaded themselves that Allah wants all who are not the true believers that they are slaughtered. They've, they've convinced themselves of this. Mm -hmm. And so you have to keep putting those people in the earth. There's no compromise yeah. with them. But, but we do have two groups. We have our special operations forces, and they are, they are past masters at this now. Uh, and also we have, as I try to point out in the book, another group that's even better called the Special Activities Division of the CIA. And you mentioned Egan, who is one of the characters in the book. Well, actually, Egan is a friend of mine who's now retired, whose name, real name is Rudy Enders. And he was in charge of the Special Activities Division. And all of, and he, he, he had been a SEAL before that, but... But all of the people in the Special Activities Division, and there aren't that many of them, I, yeah, but those that are, they have all been Special Forces, Marines, or SEALs before. So they've all been there and done that, if you will, before they go on. And therefore, when they show up, as they do in the book, and they're in their mid-30s and early 40s, of course, the average Marine corporal kind of idolizes them because he gets it right away that these guys have 20 years experience on him. And so that's, that's legitimate. And we're going to continue doing that for the foreseeable future, but it never makes the press anymore. I mean, we probably, we probably kill five to 10 Islamist terrorists every day, somewhere in the world. Really? And you don't, no one knows about it. We just bought and pop them. And that'll continue. That will continue, I think, for maybe another 20 years until that disease inside Islam fades out. Absolutely. That, that's one thing. Okay, but that's, that's entirely different than a big war. Huh? Yeah. Entirely different. My view about the next big war that I think I mentioned to you in an earlier podcast is really different than what people think. The way in which we're going to be challenged in the next war isn't that people are going to drop bombs on New York City. Uh, uh, uh. What they're going to do is they're going to cut the electricity in New York City. And we'll cut the electricity in Beijing. But then what the Chinese say will say is, our society is tougher than your society, and we're willing to go without electricity. We're willing to burn wood. We're willing to just chop up chickens to eat them. We're willing to go without money. You're not. Correct. And you sooner or later will compromise with us. So that's the next big war that I see coming. If And I do believe this about human nature. So I try to indicate throughout the book. We're born with original sin. You know, I happen to be a Catholic, but basically there is a God in my judgment. And he put us here. We're going to have to find our own ways. But what that means is that wars like hurricanes will continue to happen. They won't stop happening. And so we're going to get into another big fight eventually. We, Gee, remember I said to begin with, 
I was born in 1940, and there they were coming back from Iwo Jima in Guadalcanal. It's got something like that will happen again. That's just nature, human nature. Yeah. So, so I distinguish, Tom, between the big war and the small wars that will continue. With the Egans, the people that I had in the book, they're going to continue. Do Remember, at the end of the book, well, I'm not going to give it away, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I realize for a certain group of them, this isn't over. Something else is, is going to happen. You know, they're going to move on. Yeah, you know? it's it's yeah, it's you know, it kind of comes up to you and, you know, the, the, everyone's caked in caked in blood and dirt and there's bodies and you're looking for a job. Call your wife. And I love that. I love that little bit of a of um, chivalry. You have you have Egan, right? The stone cold CIA. You haven't called your wife yet. What's wrong with you? And it's you, you have this moment of like, where are your manners, son? But it's um, I've actually on this podcast before. I've uh, one of the uh, regularly returning guests, but I've had two on uh, former special activities division guys. And, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, what are their names? Del Comstock, who's in Delta Force, one of the youngest ever members of Delta Force. Wow. Um, he was the uh, the story he he his, one of his first was uh was it not was it not Acid Gambit it was um when they went in to get Kurt Muse in Panama he was the oh, sure. oh, yeah you're really going back now and that was in the nineties yeah, yeah Dale was the door breacher at Modelo Prison I'll be done yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um that well, would be he's, old, he's an old guff like me oh though. yeah oh yeah no don't tell him that he'll kill me but uh yeah <laughs> but that's the thing though that's the thing he comes on here uh, almost every Sunday. But um, that's the thing, though, is right. He's not, he's not your your young buck. He's not me. I, you know, I, I I'm I'm the young I'm the young idiot. And the other guy, uh, Joe Teddy, who was uh, worked with uh, Dale in the Special Activities Division, and they both will never, they'll only ever call it OGA. Yeah. But um, but they were both in that. And 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 Joe was former uh, Green Beret, I think Marine Recon. Um, but Dale was one of the youngest ever members of Delta Force. His dad, he, he grew up on a base in Germany. His dad is a World War II vet and, you know, goes kind of the same thing, molded in the fires. But, um, sure. but no, yeah, you hear his stories all the time about exactly what they are. And it's, if for everybody listening, it's the elite of the elite, right? I mean, you have Army Rangers and above that you got Delta. You've got the SEALs and you've got DevGrew. And the CIA plucks from there and you have Special Activities Division, which is under Title 50, which is different than DOD no insignia you kind of go in there it's it's your black ops but is it's not a random guys it's your dream team it's your michael Correct. jordan your tom brady Correct. and um yeah no. remember they've had 20 25 years experience yeah. so you know. by the way write the name down and tell them when you're talking with me that i send the best from rudy enders r-u-d-y-e-n-d-e-r-s they'll both burst out laughing yes, i mean sir. he He's a legend too. So no, anyway, no, no, noted. I'll, I'll show him. I'll show him this episode. I would love to get you on with Dale, or if you could get Mr. Enders. I don't know if Mr. Enders would be willing to do it. Oh, but, sure, I'd love to. I'd love to get Rudy on. He has great stories. That would be amazing. You would. Anyone that watches this podcast, check it, check it, check it with Dale. But he, I'm, I'm sure Rudy would come on, and he. I mean, I, he's been everywhere, done everything, and he's fascinating. You yeah. know, fascinating guy. I. Well, let me get back to the book. Sure, sure, then. sure. We're, we're yeah, we're breaking off. One thing we didn't I didn't mention in the novel is I try to tell the novel from four points of view. I try to tell it first from the point of view of the grunts that are on the ground all the way up to the colonel. 
Then I try to tell it from the point of view of the Taliban and the drug guys who are there, you know, Zar and his group who are right there, who are the fighters against them. So those are the grunts on both sides who are going at each other. Then I try to bring it back to Washington, D.C., and because I was the assistant secretary of defense, show how the president and the secretary of defense and the generals were dealing with this. And then I try to show that Tsar had a boss. He had bosses in Pakistan, mm-hmm. supported the Taliban forever. And they were getting really pissed at what he was doing and not doing. So he was under a lot of pressure. So I try to bring in the Pakistanis and the people in at the top of the Taliban who are safe in Pakistan saying, in essence, design, well, why can't you get rid of those guys? Why, why do you, what are they, what's the matter with you? What's the, so you can see the pressure building on him and you can see the pressure from Washington is the opposite. It's don't take those casualties. You don't have to take casualties. Yeah. And you, after a while, I, I hope the reader realizes, Oh, this isn't going to end well. For everybody. <laughs> There's nothing that can end. Well, it's, you're right. You have these two opposing forces, almost for lack of a less used uh, analogy, these two puppet masters almost. And it's you have these you have the missions within missions. Right. You have at the very base, you have the this is our land. They will never invade. Allah says, put them in the ground. Right. You have the grunts on the other side. And it's, you know, we're hunters of men. We're hunters of gunmen. And then you have the bigger. Right. You have Denard. You have I want this. You know, I want I want I want good. I want a good. I want good press out of this, right? And then you have Czar's leaders. What are you doing? Like this is all money. This is this is cold hard cash. And at the very end, I mean, you see, you see how can you almost see how? And 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 I understand the necessity for it. And you know, I and as you know, someone that was in Washington, you see that it, it isn't all, it isn't all the heroic, uh, you know, the the Medal of Honor run. It's sometimes it's you're looking at it from the thirty thousand foot view. And it's this might be a good way to pull out. We might be able to do this and save face. And I think perhaps the best analogy you used in the book was if you're the owner of an NFL franchise and you are you're watching down in the stadium from 30,000 feet and you have and you're controlling these massive multi-billion dollar accounts, everything. And you have people working under people, working under people, working under people, you it is impossible for you to hear the clashing of the individual football players hitting each other. And that doesn't mean you're any less compassionate towards them. It doesn't mean you, you don't, you don't grieve their loss any more or less than the last one, but at the risk of, of falling prey to that, that insidious communist socialist doctrine of the collective. I mean, sometimes you do have to look at what is the greatest move. What what is the greatest? We have to, you know, it's one small skirmish in one part of the world, and you're looking at a global network of U.S. bases with a seven billion or seven hundred billion dollar budget, trillions of dollars of weapon systems. Sometimes it's just there's more to it than, you know, a little a little fire base out out in the middle of a godforsaken land, and it's it it really it I would say. There's two ways you can look at this book. I would say at first glance, it was very action-packed. It was, it was, hell yeah, you know, go get him. It's, for instance, I've interviewed Mike Durant, the pilot that was shot down in Mogadishu, right? Mm-hmm. The Black Hawk Down pilot. 
you read Black Hawk Down by Mark Bowden, or you watch the movie, and you get you get one image of what happened. You read Mr. Durant's um, In the Company of Heroes, and if it weren't for the names and the dates, you wouldn't know it was the same event. Completely different story. A, a, a tragic, philosophically rich, emotional tale versus the kind of the Rambo picture that Bowden paints. The first time going through your book, and I do listen to books multiple times when I interview them, it's more of a Bowden picture. You're like, hell yeah, Egan's got the sniper rifle. He can zoom in and it takes, you know, humidity and temperature and gravity and IR drones and we're hitting them with the, you know, I need some Willie Peter. And you're like, hell yeah, you know, America, rah, rah. You go back through the second time and you're like, you get the chaplain sitting with like the crying mother in the living room. And you get the general calling in and he's like, there is no press. There is nothing. We're not ghouls. What are you doing? Bury the bodies. And you go, oh, this this really is what it is. Like people die. And that's it. It's the credits don't roll. You you go back to work. And that's it. And it's at the very least, I mean I, I have to I have to give credit to you. You 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 wrote this story as an onion. There are layers. And if you go through, you you get different. It's almost like a very fine whiskey or a wine, right? You, oh, there's different notes. The very first one is is patriotic Rambo. Hell yeah. And then it it turns more into a human condition thing. And then I could say you could go even deeper. And then it almost turns into frustration. How much of this is political posturing? How much? Of, right? Would you say you know have to wait a couple minutes so he could stop his uh, sycophant grinning? You know, laughing at what the president says because everyone's sucking up to each other. It's Again, I won't forgive you if you don't if you don't have this made into a movie. Well, I have to. Say, Hollywood is made up of liberals and more liberals. Hollywood will never touch this book. I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah, a bunch of dirty communists. Yeah, I can't get. I have a very hard time getting the book reviewed because the major outlets are liberal, and they they don't like this book. No. Uh, so you, you bump into that, you know. Plus, my name is West, and I'm white and an old Marine. You, old you know, Irish Catholic Marine. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you're I, done. I, I got caricature. You, um, you know, they, they, if you try to read the New York Times book reviews now or something, I mean, you, your name has to be Hong and you have to have written about the two-headed yellow parrot. You, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, the idea that fluid wheelchair bound. <laughs> Uh, you, you, you know, I mean, I am a little bit out of step with where uh, liberal uh, leftists just, I mean, it's just a fact where literature is. Literature is not interested in this, not at all. And Hollywood is not interested. It's all gone. So this is a, yesterday's newspaper, gone. But unfortunately, you know, that's why I wrote it. I wanted, for whomever read it, to be able to say, oh, now I understand the deep frustration of Afghanistan and why we couldn't win. Now I get it yeah. uh, because it's all in there if you if you take the time to read it. I have, for instance, the Secretary of Defense toward the end of the book. Good guy, you know, good executive, et cetera. And now he begins to wonder, hmm, 
what what did I think I was doing? But he can't quite make up his mind which team he's on. So he goes along in the end. Yeah. And we saw many secretaries of defense do that. Yeah. You know, they, they, I mean, I found it ironic you'd have secretaries of defense saying, well, we're not there to build a nation. Oh, yeah? Yes, you are. That's what you have those kids doing. So it doesn't do any good for you to stand up and say, well, we can't really build a nation. You still have them out there doing it. And they none of them would come to grips with what's this all about. And I tried to indicate graphically, you know, not to lecture anybody. The book isn't a lecture. I think you'd agree. The book is, let's see what's going to happen next. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think reasonably you'd walk away from the book and say, boy, oh boy, did we really screw that one up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, On the, on the first note, I mean, I'm, I'm a white guy with my brother's necklace, blue eyes, white skin in front of American flag. You get no sympathy from me, Mr. West. I'm an Irish Catholic as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll commiserate with you a little bit. Yeah, but, buy another buy another copy of the book then. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Well, hey, I'll do my part. Hey, you're, get, you're coming on my pod, podcast giving me content. I'll buy another copy of the book. We can, we, can, we can, I know, we can scratch each other's backs. I would say that, I would say don't, don't fall, don't fall prey to the, because I, I, I'm with you. It does seem like, what is this? They don't give a shit. You know, you have to, you have to have seven colors in your hair and not know what gender you are. And yeah, be writing about a two headed orange parrot in order to get a publication. I think that facade is cracking. I think it's a very efficient facade and I think they do very well, kind of like North Korea at coming across as if they've got it all together. I think the vast majority of Americans are realizing that Hollywood, uh, it's not, that's not what we are. I think more people are fascinated with what you're writing about than, than, than you know, and that even I know. Um, and, I mean, who doesn't like being the underdog? You don't want to be on top. It's fun to have to fight against them. You don't want to be on top. There's a magic to there's a magic to writing about what they don't want you to write about. You talk about it. Egan shows it. Uh, former Secretary of Defense Mattis shows it he talks about it in your other book call sign chaos also by bing west which will be in the description which is another fantastic book i love the ruthlessness i i I recently watched an interview and i sent it to my dad who's a history buff of uh of uh what is his name william william vincent peck i think he's like 95 years old fought on okinawa and there's a great interview with him taken i think last year completely lucid He's all there and he's talking about so we couldn't take prisoners. What are you talking about? He's like, we didn't have the we didn't have the manpower to have prisoners. You captured them, you took their guns, you shot them. That was it. You know, when you find your fellow Marines with their eyes gouged out, their tongues cut off, their genitals removed and put in their mouths and their heads decapitated, he goes, You don't you don't you see them, you shoot them. Because if you don't, they shoot you. They're lying on the ground, they look dead, shoot them, make sure they are. There's a certain sober lens you have to look at things through that I certainly can. I never served. But you said it earlier. There are some people that need to be put in the ground. General Mattis said that. Some people just really need to be shot. Uh, former former Navy SEAL Jocko Willing said, goes, how do you deal with these terrorists? He goes, you hunt them down with men like me and you kill them and then you move to the next. There are certain things that cannot be saved. And 
the liberal media would paint your book as here's a white Irish guy saying we got to shoot these poor Muslims. Not at all. You paint in the book just how tragic it is, just how many civilians are caught in the literal and metaphorical crossfire. You also show that there are grown men who will take young kids, kids who at the same age, my parents were teaching me how to swim in a swimming pool in a gated suburban neighborhood, are being given hashish pills covered in C4 or thermite and being told to walk that way because Allah is with you. There are aspects of this world that cannot be saved, that need to be put in the ground and that need to be eradicated like the cancer that they are. And when you write, what's the saying of the World War II? If you're taking flak, you know you're over the target. I think the fact that you're willing to say those things and piss off the, the liberal Politburo shows that you're correct. And I'm glad you put that in, and I'm glad you're doing my podcast, and I'm glad we can talk about that. Because if we don't, we are going down the road of what you talked about last time. We're going to become the society that is not resilient. That is, we have nerfed the world. We have become PG. And like it or not, a Chinese society, they're not that way. They're not afraid to say what it is. And so for that, I think it was fantastic. And I know I'm kind of rambling now. But I've got you for a couple more minutes. For the next time I have you on, which book do you recommend? We've gone through Call Sign Chaos, and we've gone through Last Platoon. Oh, I, I the book that was on the Commandant's reading list for 50 years that I wrote called The Village, which was the story of a dozen Marines who lived for over a year in a Vietnamese village, what they called a combined action platoon, and what happened to each of them and what happened to the village over the course of many years, because they kept going back there all the time to see how things were. And I, I think that shows a different war, a different people, um, and just a handful of grunts that you put out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> we were, we were, we were out in the middle of nowhere, living with five thousand Vietnamese. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then that will have to be the one we cover next. They, they, they I went back there at the, in, a, in the early 2000s, 40 years after I fought there, and walking down the path in the village, this is the same, I knew exactly where I was. People were saying, hi, Dai We, which was the, the Vietnamese for captain, and they remembered me from all those years ago. Holy and, shit. Yeah. But then, then my interpreter, the great guy with me, he said, why, why do you find that extraordinary, Bing? He said, if you were these villagers and all you did for your entire life was take half an acre, which each of them had, and pluck rice every day, that's what you did. And for over a year, you had these 12 Marines living with you, right there, living in your houses, sleeping in your houses. And, and fighting the Viet Cong every night. And you had you had tragedy, but you also had adventure. You had something that was totally different. Wouldn't you remember that? Very like, true. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. How would you forget it? And what, exactly. 
Yeah, you're doing the same yeah. thing every day, and it, I mean, I guess it's it's what's well, talking to you now, Tommy. If you were a, if you were a normal student, went to high school, went to college, started a podcast, and you did interviews with you and your friends, and then one day Bing West comes on here and talks about being babysat in an attic by Marines who fought on Okinawa, wouldn't you remember it? And yeah, I think I would. <laughs> so we will cover that next time. If you can't tell, I don't know if you can hear it. Someone came into my apartment. My dishwasher's broken, and they weren't supposed to come because I'm doing an interview right now. But clearly, they are here. So I I have to go address that. Mr. West, Bing West, author of Last Platoon, Call Sign Chaos. I will send you an email when this episode is up. I will grab your newest, or not your newest book, the book we just discussed. We'll tackle that next time, and I will send... uh, I will send the message from Rudy Enders to Dale and Joe Teddy and see if they yeah, laugh. Good. And uh, I would love to. I would love to get him on here. We can have him talk with Dale, or you can talk with Dale, or whatever. I can put all this in an email. I don't need to be rambling my mouth right now. I'm sorry to cut this one short by five minutes. I need to go address right. the problem in my kitchen. Okay. All right. <laughs> Bing Thank you, sir. God bless. God bless America. God bless all the service men and women that make this country possible. Thank you, sir. Okay. Recording stopped.